This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast Podcast Network, available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for tuning in once again to a little thing we like to call the Ball on Blast Podcast. As always, my name is Sheldon Alexander. I'm joined by my guy, Andrew Webster. Webby, what is good? Yo, we are here. We've got a play-in game in the bubble. You thought we were ready. You thought we were. it was going to be simple. We were just going to get to the playoffs, and that was going to be it. But no, we've got more meaningful basketball before we get to the 1-8 through eight in both conferences. And man... I cannot wait. I've got the Blazers by a billion. <laughs> like, it's I, – I don't see the Grizz. And honestly, like, I know that we were both patting ourselves on the back the last week because of our amazing predictions in the West and how well, like, I thought the Suns were going to surprise a lot of mm-hmm. people, and that's exactly what they yep. did. You thought the Blazers were going to rise up and take that eighth spot, which it looks like they're going to. But, man, was I ever rooting for the Nets. I was hoping the Nets were going to win that game. I wanted to see my sons in that play-in game. I now feel like I'm an honorary citizen of Phoenix. (laughs) That's how much I love this team. I got so behind them because, like, basically the Sixers weren't playing for anything. They were locked into that three spot. So the Suns, like, every game they needed to win. So I just got so invested in them. It was incredible. It was just a reminder of why – the NBA is so great because basketball Twitter was on fire. Everything was so much fun watching those games. And you mentioned the Blazers game against the Nets. Dame Lillard, which we'll get to in a bit when we talk about the bubble awards and bubble MVP. But that game was just incredible. It was so much fun. And for the last, you know, quote unquote, meaningful game of the regular season restart, it was so good just right down to the wire all of basketball twitter was going crazy my phone was blowing up and i was watching the game on pvr i was like a couple minutes behind and it was so funny because my phone would buzz and i'm like wait 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 first thing at my first response would be like i'm watching the game on pvr because i know exactly what people are about to say (laughs) i texted you and i was like oh my god what a game and you were just like I am about five minutes behind. I was like, dude, don't go on Twitter. And you were like, yeah, obviously, I'm not I'm not that dumb. I'm definitely not going on Twitter. But it was so much fun, and basketball is back. We're here again on the Ball on Blast podcast, our weekly deep dive into everything NBA, both on and off the court. And, of course, we're going to wrap up the bubble in terms of the regular season restart. We'll go over some MVP, who's the all bubble team. And of course we'll look forward to the playoff matchups, which are pretty much set as I guess by the time most people listen to this, it'll either be just before the play in game start or, you know, a little bit after, but basically we're recording this before the play in game between the Blazers and the Grizzly. But let's wrap up the bubble first. Let's start with the bubble MVP. Mr. Andrew Webster, who is your bubble MVP? Well, I think when you look at the viable candidates for this bubble MVP, the Walt Disney Award or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> uh, I think that it really, like you say, it boils down to about five, six dudes. But for me, it only boils down to two. So I think one is obviously Dane. Uh, to bring the Blazers from where they were, 
before the bubble started to where they are now in this playing game and the amazing, not just the numbers that he's put up, but the moments that he's had and making that 35 foot three pointer, like <laughs> a, like part of his arsenal <laughs> is insane. And then I think that the other side that you've got to look at is who's the number one seed going into the playoffs. And that's the Milwaukee Bucks. And why are they the number one seed in the playoffs? That's because when Giannis plays over about 25 minutes, he absolutely destroys the competition. So I think it has to be between those two. I'd love to give it to TJ Warren. Uh, he's had an amazing run in this bubble, but uh, I, it's between Giannis and Dame. And honestly, just because of the theatrics um, of the moment that he's been in, I got to give it to Dame. Plus, he never headbutted anybody <laughs> that we know of so far. Uh, but listen, I, you can't listen, Giannis. I, it's Mo Wagner, you know. I'm sure most of the Big Ten a couple of years ago wanted to throw a headbutt at Mo Wagner. Okay, okay, fair enough. I I agree with you. So I'm going Dame. I'm sorry. It's kind of the 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 easy pick, the chalk pick. But when you go 51, 61, 45, or whatever in the last three games that you need to win to get that eight seed, or even to just get a chance to play the eight seed. Like, it's been amazing to watch Dame. Just, you got to give it up to him, you know? Yeah, I mean, Dame Dalla has been on a crazy, crazy run, and I agree with you. I know that, you know, it, it's, it sounds like it's an easy play just to go with the chalk pick of saying Dame Lillard, but the show that this man put on, if you think about this, and it's three straight games where, as you mentioned, 51, 61, and 42 with the season 42. on the line right? To make the playoffs. But then add in the narrative of how he's doing it in terms of we're in this bubble where games are every other night. So you're having to do that playing over 40 minutes in each of those games, carrying the entire offense for your team in terms of the scoring load. CJ is banged up. He has a bad back. Mello was struggling. And to put up those (laughs) godly numbers for three straight games, and playing three games in five nights. Like, that would never happen normally in the league, right? In in the league. No, exactly. Even in the playoffs, it wouldn't happen. Right? You wouldn't play three games in five nights like that. And even if you did, that would be one of those things we call what? A schedule loss in one of those games? Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, like, this whole bubble has had totally a March Madness feel. And with a lot of these stars, uh, especially the American ones, we saw them at least – participate in the tournament the one guy that we never saw something like this from was dame lillard from weber state yeah you know weber state never got their moment in the sun in a big time college basketball game that we were all watching and so for him to respond to this kind of schedule like he is is like it's just adding to that atmosphere of kind of a march madness feel that we have dame though is just kind of like one of those last of a dying breed type dudes in the sense of that meant like he's a hooper, right? Like he is just eat, sleep, ball. He wants to come out and hoop night in, night out. That's just his MO. It's not really the fancy stuff for Instagram. It's not really whatever. Like he was like, if we're coming back to play, I need to know that we can make the playoffs. And with that said, to carry the team on his back, six and two record through the bubble, but to average 37 Point six points per game in the bubble that's insane plus 9.6 assists true shooting of two, 68% like 
it's unreal what Dame was just doing, but I think it's proper. It's sometimes I like to go to Twitter because there are people who are able to articulate these things better than I am, <laughs> Mr. Andrew Webster. And one of yeah. my favorite follows that I mentioned a lot on the pod is Cuffs the Legend, right? Cuffs the Legend posted a picture. Been mentioned. He's been mentioned on this podcast. Right? Been mentioned once or twice in terms of being a source. But he also posted a message where uh, a screen cap, a conversation with him and LeBron, where he said before the season, he said to LeBron, I think he could average 10 plus assists. And LeBron's response was just, I got you. This was before the season. He screenshotted the the conversation. That's just a flex (laughs) to show... Hey, I'm connected in the basketball oh, world. I've right? got LeBron's number. And yeah, exactly. Just a straight flex. But I like follow Cups of Legend because of the comedy. And yeah. here's a tweet where he posts a picture of Dame Lillard pulling up from half court. Like his foot is on the NBA logo at half court. Yeah. Right? And his caption just reads, Imagine taking your girl with you to the court to watch you hoop, and a dude does this to you. She will bring this up every time y'all argue. To me, that just sums up the level of disrespect that Dame Lillard was showing by just, like, my range is anywhere across half court. That is ignorant. For that alone, putting on the show, to me, he's the MVP of the bubble. It's just, you add in the wins, you add in the moments, you add in him carrying his team, it's definitely Dame Dalla for MVP. We like to talk about how the NBA isn't just numbers, it's also narrative. Uh, and he's got mm-hmm. both. He's got both going on. But now it's so funny how, like, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, that level of disrespect would come on dunks. It'd be like, ugh, he got you. He put his nuts on your <laughs> head. You know? And now it's like, ugh, he just drained a 40-footer right in your eye. Like, that's what the disrespect is now. And I'm not saying it's better or worse. It's, it's just, just different. There's always going to be that level of, like, I bested you. And, you know, watching him... This is the beauty, too, of, you know, there's people who watch games. You might catch a bit of a game, but there's people who are actually taking in what's going on. And I think this is what makes what Dame did, especially against the Nets, so special. And the thing was, in my mind during the day, I thought, you know what? This Nets game is going to be close because all these other teams that needed to win were playing against other teams who were like resting starters, didn't really care. The Nets... The Nets needed to play together because it got a big playoff series. Exactly. Like, and they needed this game and they've been playing really like, not really well, but like for the nets really well. Well, the thing like surprisingly, well, they didn't need the game for standings, but they needed the game for just chemistry purposes. Right. A lot of these guys (laughs) haven't really played a lot of minutes in the roles that they're currently in. So you knew that they were going to come out and play hard, but that also leads into just a structure of how they play. They come out and they're running, they're running and gunning, shooting threes. Karis LeVert is legit. So either way, you knew this was going to be a close game. But to me, the thing that I loved was watching them try to double Dame and then watching him adjust. That to me was mm-hmm. awesome to see. And that's really where the pulling up from half court came. He's just shooting it before the double team gets to him, right? And yeah. it was just incredible to watch. It was so much fun. So we hope that Dame Dalla can do it in the play-in game, and they end up playing the Lakers, which we'll get to in a bit. But we talked about the MVP. If we're filling out an all-bubble first team, I think it's kind of obvious, right? Like you mentioned yeah. already Giannis. We mentioned Booker. 
Dame, and then Luca and TJ Warren. Do you have any beefs with that all bubble first team? I really don't. I really don't. I thought Luca was awesome, even though Dallas was pretty disappointing. Mm-hmm. I guess when all was said and done in the in the bubble, like what's up with that team and not being able to like hold on to a lead to save their life? But you know, I love Pacey or White, Luka Doncic. <laughs> Uh, and so I, I, and he just keeps getting better. It seems like he gets better and better every game. Like there's, he's like Dame a couple of times a game. I'm just like, what am I watching? Like, this guy is just doing things that I haven't seen in a long, long time. And, uh, yeah, I think from like Warren's five game stretch there of like putting almost 200 points over five games, like that's insane. And he came out of nowhere. Like Phoenix basically gave him up. For nothing. For nothing. Like, he was a total afterthought. And uh, that, you know, not to spoil anything, but that's the first-round matchup that I'm, at least in the East, that I cannot wait for. Like, that's going to be so good. Yeah. Got to give love to Dame for sure. Luca almost averaged a triple-double when he was playing in the bubble. So, of course, he's going to get some love. TJ Warren is such an interesting just storyline because people thought if he was going to be a narrative in the bubble is probably going to come from something to do with Jimmy Butler. And instead my guy yeah. came out and was just dropping 40 and 50 pieces <laughs> right out of nowhere. And people were kind of like, wait, TJ Warren's that nice. It's like he can get buckets. So TJ has been able to score since university. We've known that. Very true. Very true. Well, real basketball heads know that some people, it might be the introduction to not the introduction, but the coming out party for TJ Warren, let's say, right. And then James Harden rounding things out. I think that pretty much makes sense for the, or no, uh, Giannis, pardon me, rounding things out. I think that pretty much makes sense for the all bubble first team. Cause you had a lot of guys too, like James Harden didn't play all the games. Um, Giannis didn't play all what the about games, Booker? but it was interesting to see. And overall, I think it's no Booker, no Booker's in Booker's in. Okay. I'm going Lillard, Booker, Luca, TJ Warren, and Giannis. To me, I think that's what it is. But yeah, the yeah. other the other part of all this that I want to give the NBA credit for, they're just such a smart league. And what I mean by that is they know how to feed the machine. There's no need to make up a bubble MVP or a bubble first team. But they do it because you're giving all these people that are just yearning for content because there hasn't been sports content for how many months, but you're giving them topics to talk about. Like it's genius play by the NBA, no? Now, do you think that it takes away from the regular season MVP? No, not at all. Not at all. No, No? I don't don't think so. Because I think this is a complete different animal. And, you know, I'll elaborate on this a bit when we get to the Raptors, but... There were so many different MOs coming in. You could have a team that, no, we need to win every single game to get in. You could have a team yeah. where we need seeding. You could have a team that won every team every game to get in and still didn't get in. Like Exactly. Or you could have teams that come in and their seeding's pretty much set, so they're kind of just going through the motions, right? So there's so many different loopholes that makes it different than the regular season. And then there's also the fact of this was a good gauge to find out who came in ready, right? Who came in focused, who was ready, who was balling during the break and is now ready to get back to business. And you, you could tell that. So I just think it's, it's totally yeah, different. What did, you know, 
what did you say about Chris Boucher the other night? <laughs> you don't got to get ready when you stay ready. There you go. And Dame Lillard clearly stayed ready. And to, stayed well, ready. to round that yeah. out, Dame, you mentioned that you touched on this a little bit, but Dame was a storyline from the get-go because he was very vocal about not coming into the bubble without a chance to make the playoffs. Without a chance. And Yeah, that's right. He was on that call. He was one of the guys on that call. But to be that forceful in saying that beforehand and then backing up that talk, hey, just give me a chance. All all love to Dame Lillard. Uh, one last thing I'll say about this, Dame time for sure. Oh, hold on. We can't go we can't go past talking about Dame time without talking about Pat Bev and Paul George. And right? Paul George. <laughs> How first of all <laughs> first of all, I was watching that okay. game. Okay. And I had to rewind it. Okay. Because I saw him brick the the two free throws. And I was like, oh. And then I just kind of looked down at my phone and then I looked up. And I couldn't – I was like, Pat Beverly and, like, Paul George, like, rolling over laughing? Like, I had to go back and kind of put it together. And it was Pat Beverly talking so much trash right after he hit those free throws. And it's like, oh, oh, oh. Here we go. They – They've they've woken the they've woken the beast now. This isn't smart. But to me, this is why Dame is the MVP of the bubble because it's not only for what he did on the court, but I rate for what he did off the court as well. So I like that he flipped the narrative of them laughing at him and mocking him for missing the clutch free throws. He said in his post game presser, "Well, you know." They just, I took it as a sign of respect because they know what I'm capable yeah. of. They know what I'm used to doing because he said, Pat Beverly, he named names, right? <laughs> Pat yeah, Beverly, yeah. who I sent home before at the end of the game, and Paul George, and he Paul just got George. sent home for me last year in the playoffs. I was just <laughs> like, yo, what is this man on right now? Dave, one of my dudes wrote in the, the one of my dudes wrote in our group chat last night. He just writes, Dame's unruly. <laughs> <laughs> it's true it was so good just like and, and then after he had the 61 point game he had the great uh post game press conference or not even post, just post game on screen interview yeah. like dude he's just been checking all the boxes yeah. all the all the boxes in the box. and the other part to this was after those comments happened then of course because it's the nba this all ends up on social media and you had Put it on the gram. Paul George commenting on a post where he says in response to Dame's comments and you getting homes, you getting sent home this year, respect. And then Pat Beverly chimes in saying Cancun on three and Dame Willard <laughs> again with the checkmate. Like, why are you trying to go at him? The checkmate of he at Paul George. So there's no mistake of who he's talking to. No. He says, keep switching teams, running from the grind. You boys is chumps. <laughs> Yo, that's when I officially was on the Dame Blazers bandwagon. Because, is he wrong? Nope. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's not, all it was missing All it was missing was uh, Paul George's numbers in closeout games <laughs> in the playoffs and a fish emoji oh, or a fishing emoji. Yo. That's all he was missing. I mean... Dame, the story came out that Dame did have a chance to leave. Obviously, he was a free agent at one point, but he decided to stay. And, you know, it came out just him talking about the decision to stay. And he wanted to continue to keep building in Portland. And if you think about yeah. it, 
I hope he never leaves. I hope he never well, leaves. Well, he's had more success in Portland by staying than Paul George has had bouncing around from Indiana. Well, Indiana made the finals, or their conference finals, Indiana. right? No, conference, conference finals. finals. Yeah, conference They made the conference finals, and then he left, but they, he never made it that far in OKC, and then now we're here. I don't think Pat Beverly's ever been to a final. It's just interesting. It was just why... I say it all the time every week. It's why we have this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) The NBA is the best. Dame is the MVP because he was winning games. He was hitting half court shots. He's dropping 60 pieces and talking shit on Instagram and in post game interviews. (laughs) What more do you want? (laughs) That means you're our MVP. As a wise man once said, are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? <laughs> All right. So good. Huge shouts to Dame Dalla as the bubble MVP for sure. But now watch him now watch him lose twice to the <laughs> Right. After all this. Oh man, it's gonna be so fun so much fun. Uh let's go to some playoff matchups though, Webby, because the playoffs Should we should we start with your favorite NBA TV special? <laughs> the the one thirty on a weekend. Ooh, can't Raptors, wait. One thirty on a weekend. Raptor fans are fired up, and I can't say oh. that I blame them in this instance. But what? here's the thing. Come on. Here. What other Eastern Conference playoff series were you going to put in the NBA TV? <laughs> Listen, all I'm saying is to have a schedule of four o'clock on Monday. 1.30 on Wednesday, 1.30 on Friday. <laughs> like, come on, man. That's straight disrespect. But, hey. I love it. I mean, I love let's it. start there. Because that is the series, Raptors versus Nets, the 2-7 matchup in the East. As we're going to kind of try to go through a bunch of these playoff matchups playoff uh matchups in terms of predictions who we think will win and what the games what we think the games will be at you know so i think this is pretty simple i want to say raptors in four but i just think the hot shooting and the raptors having a lapse of some sort will give the nets one game where they just shoot the lights out and the raptors don't so i'm gonna say raptors in five but i don't really see the raps having too much trouble with the Brooklyn Nets, do you? No, there's a reason this game is the NBA TV special. It's because this is like your most lopsided, at least in the Eastern Conference, your most lopsided playoff mm-hmm. matchup. And I, again, like the really the only way that I see the Raptors even dropping a game is the one thing that's going to cost them a game is themselves. They're, I think they're leading the bubble in turnovers per game, um, but they're playing great defense. So, you could see a 20 turnover game where Karis LeVert goes off for 40, yeah. but eh, this isn't going to be eh, – what did uh, Rick Pitino say? What, Kyrie Irving's not walking through that door. <laughs> Kevin, Durant's, Kevin Durant's not walking through that door. Drake's not walking through that hey, door. Hey, DeAndre you know? Jordan's not even walking through that door. <laughs> DeAndre Jordan's not walking through that door. Spencer Dimwitty and all uh, his Bitcoin. Oh. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> oh, and who uh, – Damari Carroll. Damari no, Carroll's, no, Damari Carroll's on the Rockets. I totally missed that. What? I totally forgot about that. <laughs> I thought he was still no. on the net. He's on the Rockets. We're having our own. He, 
we're having our own who we play for and it's it's not going well for damari carroll but yeah i totally agree with you i don't really see this being much of a matchup but i would urge the raptors and most teams but especially the raptors as we focus in here to take care of business and go for the sweep because playing every other night is going to catch up to certain teams it's going to catch up to some older players especially teams with an older point guard who's been known to have troubles uh, keeping his conditioning up in deep playoff runs. So, again, if you can get rid of the Nets in four games, that's going to be the best for your best player, Kyle Larry. And we mentioned the Raptors' record in the bubble as they went 7-1. and one. The Nets were 5-3. and three, And... Super surprising. Super surprising. They didn't fold. They got a bunch of guys that, you know, still want to play hard. And, of course, Karis LeVert, the big matchup is going to be, I'd assume OG gets the assignment on trying to slow up Karis LeVert. But either way, I think the Raptors should be able to to make easy work of this. And I've talked a lot about more. If you want more Raptor talk, check out our latest wrap it up pod i kind of went in depth talking about just what this season meant for the raps as they finished with the highest winning percentage in franchise history and just what that means in terms of regular season success and that being sustainable for the past seven years and how big of a deal that is but now Mm -hmm. we're into the playoffs and if you are who we think you are you take care of business you gotta show up sweep city against the nets and then we'll regroup and talk about what happens in the next matchup (laughs) against no Hold on, hold on. Before I go on, in your last uh, Wrap It Up pod, uh, I want to know how much time did you guys spend and how heated did it get about the disrespect the Raptors were shown in being the NBA team. Didn't really talk about it that much because I don't really... No, no, no. no, no. I don't really... I don't buy into the U.S. disrespect thing. I feel like, you know, if you didn't get the respect last year when you had Kawhi Leonard and you won the championship, it's just never going to happen. So who cares? Let's give ourselves the respect and talk about the Raptors and what do the voices that, you know, we should be empowering and what are those people saying about the Raptors? That's where you get your respect from. One thing that I almost said on the pod and I stopped myself because of obvious political connects, but I'll tiptoe around it here the exact same way is it's all fine and dandy to say it's been seven years of sustained success for the Toronto Raptors. But while a lot of places continue to complain about the lack of coverage or the lack of respect the media gives them in the States, I would ask the question, simple question, and I'm not asking you to answer this because I'm not going to answer this with the microphone in front of my face. But what's changed in Raptors coverage over the last seven years of their sustained success? How much has changed in Canada? Has there been more coverage? Oh. Has there been more people, you know, more money invested into covering the team? I'm just going to ask that question, there... and I'm going to move on to the next playoff series. Yeah. Because okay, I, I, you're saying I don't have to answer because I no, will. No, no, no. Because I'm, I'm I don't want to then follow up. <laughs> okay. Right? Okay. I don't want to then follow up, but I'm just going to ask that question Sounds because good. the reason I'm asking that is because we focus so much on the U.S. media and what's going on there and yeah. the disrespect shown by the states and the NBA and all that. How about the disrespect shown by ourselves here and how we rep and put on for our team? That's all I'll say because I'm getting too fired up. So I'm just going to move on to the next matchup <laughs> in the Eastern Conference playoffs, Mr. Andrew Webster. And that is okay. the Milwaukee Bucks, the one seed okay. versus so the eight seed Orlando Magic. Mr. Andrew Webster, how do you see 
this series play out? Is it just as simple as Sweet smash. City? It's a smash. It's a smash. Yeah. It's a smash, man. Like uh, Orlando um, kind of ravaged. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you would have thought that the only way that maybe they could have won is to have a kind of a crazy five-tool guy like Jonathan Isaac mm-hmm. to have anybody to throw at Giannis. Maybe he could do it being like one of the best defenders in the league. Like low key, Jonathan Isaac can put the clamps on you pretty hard, no matter what position you play, but he's out. Um, and then after that, it's just, Slim it's pretty grim. You're relying a lot on grim. Terrence Ross, which is not going to help. <laughs> You're relying on Terrence Ross in 2020, <laughs> which is even more. It's, it's a tough one for sure for the magic and losing Jonathan Isaac basically gives them not much of a chance against Giannis and the Bucks who, that's a team that will take care of business. I think just the way that they play consistently, it is kind of a lights out thing where they're just going, 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 and they're not going to let up. Giannis in full force. Giannis, when he was on the court, and when he wasn't headbutting people, appeared to be a man on a mission, right? So Yeah, he was, if he played over 20 minutes, he was going to get 30 points. It's just if he, you know, headbutted somebody or the game is such a blowout that they just took him out you know yeah no totally agree my dude totally agree so we won't spend too much time there kind of think that it's sweep city for uh the milwaukee bucks so we'll move on to the three six matchup which i think you might be pretty interested in the boston celtics (sighs) against the philadelphia 76ers boston for those who might not know went five and three in the bubble and meanwhile the sixers went three and four in the bubble, but they're playing right now. Right. In a, but yeah. And they're up by like 30. Cool. So let's say they finish four and four in the bubble. Um, how do you see this one shaking down and how disappointing is it that we won't see Ben Simmons out there for the Sixers? Yeah. I mean, I, the last time I was on this pod, I was, I was saying how, you know, the stats had kind of borne it out that, you know, they, they, they're actually a better offense with him, not on the floor. Um, but, in a seven-game series against a team like the Boston Celtics, you need all of your horses in the stable. Mm-hmm. And to take out such an important one like Ben Simmons, like, I just think Boston has too much. You know, I don't think they're a great, amazing team, but when they – you're just going to keep constantly rolling out, like, the two-wing kids and then Marcus Smart and Gordon Hayward and Kemba Walker, when he has played, has looked amazing. Yeah. I mean, the only real hope that the Sixers have is if Al Horford or Al Horford, if Embiid can go like legit Dikembe Mutombo mixed with Hakeem Olajuwon <laughs> and just absolutely take over the series. But the problem with Joel Embiid is like he might look like that for a game, but in game two, he's going to disappear. Exactly. You know, so are we going to have a, a Shake Milton game? Are we going to have a Matisse Thibel game? I hope so, because that's really the only way that this series is going to get elongated past. I hate to say it, and I'm, it's so bad, because I'd love to come out of here and say that, yeah, the Sixers are going to win in six or seven, but I see Boston winning in six. I think Philly will play well enough in two games to steal. Maybe they steal one, and they win one just outright. Yeah. But, uh, man, the coaching, uh, the, the coaching definitely favors Boston. Uh, the wing play definitely favors Boston. Uh, the guard play definitely favors Boston. The only thing that really the Sixers have is the big man. 
So yeah. it, hopefully he comes out and shows out and goes absolutely nuts. But at this one, I see Celtics in six. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you here Boston in five. And the reason why I think I think Embiid will have the one game where he's just unstoppable. Because if there is one weakness for the Celtics, it would be forward play. It would be the center spot. And even as you look forward to the next matchup, if the Celtics end up facing the Raptors, one of the things you could see is Serge and Gasol playing in the front line just to slow down the game and really pound the post, right? But if the Celtics were to lose to the Sixers, we talk about it all the time. We say Shaq numbers, right? And that's basically from prime Shaq in the playoffs. He was putting up like 30 and 20s, 40 and 20s in the playoffs, when need be, night in, night out, like just going to work. That's kind of what we talk about now, what we would like to see from Anthony Davis, which we'll get to in a bit. But Joel Embiid, if they have any hope, he has to put in mega, mega work. And I don't know if he can do it. As you said, he yeah, might do it for one physically game. Physically, he can do it. Yeah. Physically, he can. Yeah. Like, can he get himself over and keep himself motivated and, and in the series, I hope so, but I don't it's know. It's tough. Man. I don't know because there just seems to be something off with this team. Because I think even without Ben Simmons, if you told me that that team still starts Richardson, right? You're telling me you still have Richardson, who's a solid NBA starter. You still have Tobias, Tobias Harris. Harris, Al Horford, and Joel Embiid. That team should be able to give anybody in the East a go. The reason why everyone's so hesitant. You watch them once. You watch them play together, and there's just something off about that team that the chemistry's off. It just something's there that's weird. And Joel Embiid kind of alluded to the locker room being a very different place without JJ Redick and Jimmy Butler. But yeah. we also know those guys had issues when they were there as well, in terms of Brett Brown. So there's just a lot going on in Philadelphia and it might be better in the long term if they do lose four one in a series. And then you let Brett Brown go and let some other coach with fresh eyes come in and, and, and put their spin on it. And I was watching some Sacramento Kings. Don't ask me why, but <laughs> man, would De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald look great in 76ers uniforms? Mm, yeah. It's, it's just super interesting. And the, if Ben Simmons becomes healthy, you know, do you consider trading one of them? There's just a lot of question marks there. Whereas to me, if I look at the Celtics, if Kemba Walker is healthy, that's going to be how far Boston goes yeah. in the playoffs. For it's going to depend on the, the knee of Kemba Walker. So we both are taking the Celtics there. So let's move on to the four five matchup, which this is the one, well, the headliner, the, one. the headliner here is TJ Warren versus Jimmy Butler. But let's be oh. serious. The two teams, Pacers, who went six and two in the bubble against Miami Heat, who went five or three and five in the bubble. I'm gonna ask you this, Mr. Andrew Webster. Which way do you see this going? The Miami Heat or the Indiana Pacers? This this should be the best series in the East. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, I, it's so funny with the Heat because I don't think that their bubble record really portrays you know really says a lot about what this team is because i just think that every game it seemed like this guy's not playing these two guys aren't playing oh this guy is now playing now there was such a um like a rotate revolving door with that roster meanwhile the pacers 
they got Brogdon back after like two games, yeah. but got him into that lineup pretty mm-hmm. well. They were pretty consistent through their games. Yeah. Um, it's kind of that consistency against um, against not really being sure, right? So that's why I just think that these two and the two styles of the teams, like the Pacers playing really well offensively, the Heat being amazing defensive defensive team. Um, it's just going to be great. Yeah. Like not just because of the TJ Warren Jimmy Butler thing, which we're all crossing our fingers. There's going to be a lot of shit talking going on online <laughs> and in press conferences. Yep. Um, but like the other big X factor in this one is Oladipo. Right? Yeah. So getting, like he's been playing well. Yeah. As he gets acclimated back into the lineup, Indiana just has a bunch of different pieces that even without Sabonis, they're able to sustain and still be a really good club. And uh, someone was chirping me earlier on our Raptors pod about the Heat being my favorite team because I keep bringing them up in terms of thinking they could win the East. The reason for that is because they're just, they have dudes that you would want to go to battle with in terms of Jimmy Butler, Jay Crowder, Igudala, even Dragic, Damn. right? Like I'm just talking about dudes that have been in playoff battles before. Oh, yeah. Right? And so then you add in Bam and all the young bucks, Tyler Harrow, um, uh, what's my guy knocking down the threes? The other white guy knocking down the threes. Why am I drawing a oh, blank? Duncan, Duncan Robinson. Robinson. I was about to call him something completely different. <laughs> Wait, that's not his name. But yeah, Duncan Robinson, even Kendrick Nunn has been pretty good, but they got just such a good mixture of youth and experience and great coaching. That's why I, I really have to lean towards the Miami Heat in this series. But I see it going but the I distance. Say, I see it going the distance. I would say, too, like this is going to be maybe our best coaching matchup of the first round, too, because I think that what, what Nate McMillan has done mm-hmm. with this Pacers team, especially in the bubble, has been fantastic. And I don't think that he gets enough credit for being as good as a coach as he is. Yeah. And then the other thing is that the Pacers have the ultimate X factor. Yeah. TJ McConnell. <laughs> the other TJ? Uh, listen, TJ McConnell... He, he's the man. Mike him up. Like, I'm telling you, <laughs> as, when the Sixers didn't resign him and let him walk, I was like, this is going to be a problem. Because TJ, listen, as backup point guards go, you won't find a better one in the league. <laughs> All right. No problem. In spite of TJ <laughs> McConnell, I will say ultimately I think this series will come down to how much help can TJ Warren get? from Brogdon or Oladipo? Like, will Oladipo hold up? I can't believe that's the question that we're asking. If you would ask me (laughs) six months ago, like, we're going into a Pacers playoff series, and the question is, how much help can TJ Warren get? (laughs) It's insane. It is insane. It's insane. But that's what makes the NBA incredible, because stars get made, right? Just in the the machine that is the NBA. We talk about Butler and Warren, but I think Turner and Bam, mm-hmm. that's going to be a pretty good matchup as well. Yeah. Like, that'll be a good one on both sides of the ball, those two going at each other. Well, the problem... There's just a lot of good matchups The problem the Heat game. have had a lot is the fact that sometimes they need someone else to help Jimmy get buckets, right? Like, if Jimmy mm-hmm. doesn't have it going and, it, and you know, he's kind of... If Jimmy's going to be the one to close... Who's going to be doing the consistent scoring the other way? Because we know Miami's going to want to grind it out and play defense and yeah. play kind of like your old school 
kind of NBA basketball where you might get some scores in the 90s, right? But you still got to get to that point even. So if Jimmy's giving you 20, who else is also giving you points? And you're relying on a lot of young guys to score because the vets, like Crowder's not going to score that much. Iguodala's not going to score that much. So you're relying on Bam for sure and then Dragic and you need the other young bucks to hit threes. So... It'll be super interesting, but I think I trust that's Spo a, I, to come up with something to, to work for the, the Heat. And that's why... And, and you're saying Heat and seven? I'm going to say Heat and seven, yes. I think th- I see this okay, going I'm to distance. It's a hard-fought series. That's where I'm going. I'm going Pacers and seven. Okay. Okay. I like it. I like it. I like it. So let's switch over to the Western Conference. And I'm going to go backwards. I know we started with the top seeds in the last, when we are talking about the East, but as we go to the West, let's start here. The 4-5 matchup, which for a lot of reasons is super interesting. But first, most notably being the fact that in the offseason, there was a pretty big trade that happened between the Houston Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder, in which the Oklahoma City Thunder traded away Russell Westbrook to the Rockets for Chris Paul, and a whole bunch of picks. And now they're playing against each other in the first round of the playoffs. This is insane. This is crazy. Now add in the fact that Russell Westbrook could be missing the start of the playoffs due to a strained right quad. This series, Webby, just got even more interesting. I'm going to ask you, where do you see this series going? Rockets versus Thunder. So, again, kind of like we said about the Heat and the Pacers being an awesome matchup of different styles, so too is this Thunder and Rockets matchup, especially with Westbrook's kind of health Mm -hmm. in doubt here because if the Rockets have to kind of rely on what we've known of them for the last couple of years, which is obviously just bomb threes, (laughs) you're going against one of the better defensive teams, especially on the perimeter in the Thunder. They've got long guards. They've got long forwards. They've got lots of athleticism on the wings. And then you've got a team in the Rockets that play with no center. And then on the other side, you've got probably the most underrated center in the league in Steven Adams, yeah. who can do a little bit of everything. Like, just these two styles, it's, it's just going to be great. And the history between the two teams, man, if this one was played in front of a live crowd, it would be electric because <laughs> Houston to Oklahoma City, yeah. you know, like, those two teams don't like each other, man. But uh, I'm definitely thinking that this one is going to be super tight. Uh, I definitely hope Russ plays. Uh, but I think my my prediction is going to be the same even if he doesn't play, which is I think the Thunder are going to win this. I know it's not an upset technically, yeah. it be them being the four seed and the Rockets being a five, but it feels to me like it would be an upset. But I just think Chris Paul uh, has been so fun to watch. And if anybody has a basketball IQ to figure out how to nullify what the Rockets do, it's going to be CP and it's going to be the defense of the Thunder. Yeah, the Russell Westbrook injury, obviously a lot to me hinges on that. And I'm going to, again, I think kind of hope that Russ is healthy. And if Russ is healthy, I'm, I'm confident in taking the Rockets in six. But the reason that is, is because I think... The difference in between the two teams is the three-point shooting of the Rockets, but what that means 
when you add in Russell Westbrook and what he's able to do in terms of giving them a different look, yeah. that to a me, different gear, right? Yeah, it just changes the whole yeah. thing. And James Harden, his playoff fall failures. I don't know if you want to call them failures. I don't know how you want well to well documented. It. Well documented. His struggles at times in the playoffs, super well documented. And I think in moments in the past they couldn't sustain James Harden having a bad game. Well, Russell Westbrook allows that to happen. Russell Westbrook can pick up the slack driving to the basket if James Harden doesn't have it going from a shooting night. And there's a couple things here. So Russ will be huge, but on the flip side, you mentioned OKC's defense. Shout out to our Canadian kid, Lou Dort who's going to get a bunch of minutes probably just out there chasing around Amazing. James Harden, making life difficult on James Harden. Great defensive stoppers, had a really good season. But it's going to be super interesting to see how this plays out. I'm super interested because the Rockets don't play defense, but it's not like OKC has a high-powered offense. They have a pretty good offense, but it's more of a half-core. nothing that's going to blow you out of the water. Yeah, so... If the Rockets are firing on all cylinders, it could just be a game where the, they win based off the math, right? Of them just shooting more threes than the Thunder can keep up with. But that's where it comes down to your man's Chris Paul. Yeah. And that's, if I'm the Rockets, that's the part that scares me. Because Chris Paul is already a gamer, but now you're giving him the added motivation of y'all didn't think I was good enough? That's Ooh. right. And like I say, it just like say what you will about Chris Paul, his playoff failures are also well documented. Mm -hmm. But just a, a bigger brain in the NBA in terms of what's going on on the court, there isn't. Yeah. Like Chris Paul is basically like having another coach out there on the court, and with all these young guys and him directing the play, whether it's on offense or defense, against this style, I could see this being a big kind of stumbling block for the Rockets. That's why I am taking the Thunder in seven. Yeah, I just think that the chess pieces, man, I mean, I got Rockets in six, you got Thunder in seven. It's going to come down to coaching and the chess moves because it's, as you mentioned, Steven Adams versus Small Ball. Who's going to win that battle in terms of can you keep Steven Adams on the floor? And then it's about injury concerns. Is Can Chris Paul consistently handle this grind that's going to be a big-time game every other day and then the injury to Russ. So there's a lot of things that can like change this series drastically one way or the next, but either way, it's going to be a lot of fun because there's so many storylines. I can't wait to see how that one plays out for sure. Um, and yeah, it's a good one. That's, a, that's like, honestly, other than the one, eight and two, seven in the East, these are all pretty good. Yeah. No, totally agree with you, my dude. Totally agree with you. The other thing, too, for people listening, let us know what you think. Hit us up in the comments where we're wrong, what we're forgetting, anything like that. The comments are so key with what we do here. We listen to them. We read them all the time. We try to interact with you guys as much as possible. So let us know what you guys think for sure and who your picks are as we go along. Um, as we go to the 3-6 matchup in the West, it's Denver Nuggets taking on the Utah Jazz. Uh, Denver was four and four in the bubble. Utah was three and five in the bubble. I'm going to say here, Mr. Andrew Webster, I'm taking the nuggets, but I'm not doing it and being like super confident about it because really? here's the thing. The nuggets, while they're a good team, 
and I think they should win. There's just been a lot of concern in terms of the consistency with this team because of the injuries they've had to deal with from right. from the get-go. As soon as, remember, they were one of the teams that had a COVID scare in terms of having to shut down their facility when basketball started back up. You had people then arriving to the bubble late. Then you had people dealing with injuries. They weren't even able to get their full team to play enough games together during the eight games of the NBA restart to the point where in the their last game today against the Raptors, they started their actual starting lineup or pretty close to their actual starting lineup. Meanwhile, the Raptors were starting like Matt Thomas and Terrence Davis and whatever because their starters are chilling waiting for the playoffs. But the Nuggets are still out here trying to get their reps. So that's the only thing that scares me. So I'm going to take the Nuggets. I'm going to say Nuggets in six but I'm not super confident about it. What do you think? How do you see this series playing out? I'm a little more uh, high on the Nuggets. Okay. <laughs> hey, um, I see what you did there. Hey, I see what you did there. Hey. Um, and then you are. Um, I think um, you mentioned the injuries to guys like Gary Harris and Will Barton. I'm not sure what their status is, yeah. but uh, if they can kind of get lumped back into the mix, that'll be a good thing. But if not, man, like we talk about Jokic all the time, and he is so much fun to watch. Yeah. Like, just does some things that I, I was I was watching the game not today, but uh, a couple of days ago, and Doris Burke was comparing uh, Jokic to Patrick Mahomes. Ooh. And I was like, yo, that is an amazing cross sport comparison. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Just the way that it like he will put the ball to where only you can get it. Yeah. Like he is just unbelievable. And that matchup between he and Gobert, who's probably the best defensive big man up there with Steven Adams yeah. in the league. That's going to be amazing. But it's the, it's the young guys in the, the Michael Porter juniors, the bowl bowls <laughs> yeah. and the, uh, and Jeremy Grant, yeah. Jeremy Grant has like blown me out of the water. It's a great pickup uh, under the radar pickup. But super athletic, can clamp put the clamps on you, but can also like very explosive around the rim. And other than Mitchell and oh, and we're forgetting Jamal Murray, who is back and looks really good, mm-hmm. good Canadian boy. Yep. Um, but like for they're kind of diametrically opposed. Like with the Nuggets, you have one amazing player filled with a bunch of like really really good role players, whereas with the Jazz, you have two amazing players but the rest of their team yeah i i don't know like they're relying a lot on jordan clarkson to get buckets yeah and that's never a good (laughs) thing it's never a good thing so i and honestly if especially if guys like barton and harris can come back maybe in a couple of games of the first uh round that would be good but i don't even think that the nuggets need them I'm going to take the Nuggets in five over the Jazz. Yeah, the, the Nuggets are such an interesting team. You mentioned the Young Bucks in terms of Michael Porter Jr. and Bull Bull. Both had like crazy moments inside the bubble as they were given a lot of minutes while they sorted out kind of the injuries in Denver. Um, but yeah, that team just seems ready. And one matchup that will be super interesting, you mentioned Jamal Murray, but Jamal Murray versus um, Donovan Mitchell. That's going to be one of the key matchups to watch right up there along with Jokic versus Gobert. And this series could come down to those two matchups. And I find that to be very interesting because it's kind of even, but it's further to your point that you just made. 
the rest of the Nuggets in comparison to the rest of the Jazz. Of the Jazz, <laughs> right? yeah. You got to go with the Nuggets. I'd rather have guys like Jeremy Grant. Yeah, yeah totally. That should be a pretty good series. I think a, a basketball head series in terms of, you know, real basketball fans could watch that and appreciate that series. But I think on paper, the average fan might be like, oh, I don't know about Jazz Nuggets. Oh. Oh, Jokic against Gobert. It's just going to be like, I mean, for if you like good play of the big guys, that's two of the best in the biz right there. For sure. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, Move on to the two versus seven matchup, and it's the Clippers. Again, super spicy. Super spicy. Clippers who are five and three in the bubble versus your man's Luka Doncic and the three and five Dallas Mavericks bubble record. Now, obviously, that doesn't really matter. They were pretty much set into their seventh seed. But how do you see this series playing out between the Mavs and the Clip Show? Shelly, I would love to come out here and give you the big fire take that not only are the Mavs going to win, <laughs> but the Mavs are going to win in six games. Okay. And this <laughs> is going to be an absolutely coming out party for Luca and Porzingis and Tim Hardaway Jr. But I, I can't do yeah. it. I can't do it. This team, they collapse down the stretch. Yeah. They've shown me nothing in terms of like shutting the door on teams when you need to shut the door on teams. Yeah. It's it's almost embarrassing because they have a fantastic coach. Like Rick Carlisle is, is honestly like one of the best coaches in the league. Correct. And he's got two of two almost perfect offensive players that could you would think could just take over games and run you out of the gym and Luca and Porzingis, but man, it's just not going to happen. It's like maybe if they were going up, if they had made that uh, jump to the sixth seed and were playing Denver, then I would feel way more confident. But they're, they're going into a wood chipper because you want to talk about getting the clamps put on you. Like this Clippers team is defensively just going to. They're going to eat your soul, especially down the stretch when your closers are out there and it's like Kawhi, Paul George, and and if they have to put Pat Beverly out there too, it's just going to be ugly for the Mavs. So, uh, again, I'd love to give you this, like, amazing, like, big, confident, upset pick, seven over two, but, man, I can't do it. I got the Clippers winning this one in six. Yeah, I think it could be six. I could see it even as in five, depending on in how five, serious yeah. the Clippers are in terms of taking care of business and just winning games because you want to give Kawhi, Paul George, a, a, the, the added rest by ending your series early. Um, this, I think this series will personify the fact that the Mavs are probably two years away from being two years away from being a championship contender. Luca mm-hmm. is nice, but I think in this series where it's going to be either a heavy dose of Kawhi or Paul George, you would assume. Or both. Right? Or both. You know? It's going to be interesting to see how he handles that that pressure of having to go against a top-line defender every night for seven straight games or whatever the playoff series lasts. But... That to me is going to be super interesting to see how Luca handles that and thrives on the big stage. That's going to be cool to see, but also you're going to see that his supporting cast isn't there yet. And I wonder if yeah. the questions start to arise, is poor Zingis good enough or the right fit to be the sidekick to Luca? 
can he be the second best player on that team if they are going to win a championship at some point or seriously contend for a championship? That's kind of where I want to see this going. But at the end of the day, the Clippers, as I I see them winning the championship, that was my pick before the bubble started. And I'm Mm -hmm. not stepping away from that. I just think they have too many pieces to throw at Luka and they should be able to make quick work of this. And I think this team is built for the championship. So they're going to come out with the focus of let's just get this shit done. Let's not waste any time here. Let's not mess around. They're a vet team ready for a deep run. All the drama of Lou will and who's not there and who's quarantining and all that is behind them. What'd we hear from Kawhi last year? The regular season is just practice. <laughs> the playoffs is when he laces say. them up. All right. I was going to say, Shelly, we're going to see something in this Clippers series that we haven't seen since the Raptors won the championship, and that's playoff Kawhi. Playoff Kawhi. We know that's a thing. I, I can't wait to see it's it. It's going to be fun. Thing. It's going to be fun. I'd say uh, Clippers in five. I'm going to say Clippers in five. Uh, I, I got Clippers in six. I think Luke is good enough that he's going to show out and he, He'll take two. Okay. Okay. He'll take two. Either way, a great series, and I'll be there to watch every single one, (laughs) right? Because that's going to be just a great series. But we have one more matchup to go through, and that is, of course, LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers, who will be taking on the eighth seed, which is the winner of the play-in. And because we're recording this before we know who the winner of the play-in is... We're going to say, we're going to phrase it this way. Who would put up the best fight between the Grizz or the Blazers? I think it's pretty obvious, but we got to leave a little wiggle room here in case somehow the Grizz pull this out. Do you think the Grizz have a shot at even winning a game against the Lakers? Uh, I'll tell you this. LeBron James wants to see one team come out of this two-game play-in tournament here, and that's the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, I don't think that the Grizzlies do take a game from the Lakers. I think that that is exactly the team that they want to face to try and get their offense, their kind of janky-looking offense over the last couple of games, into shape. Because if you start playing a team over and over and over again, you can definitely help uh, you know LeBron get into a nice rhythm, AD get into a nice rhythm, and for these role players to really find their roles – which they seem to not been able to do during the bubble in playing every other night against different opponents. Uh, now that could be the same with the Blazers. And I think that even against the Blazers, it's a pretty nice matchup for the Lakers, but against the Grizz, it would just be like, oh, practice. Yeah, I, I, practice. I totally agree with you. I just don't think the Grizz have the firepower, especially without Jaron Jackson and Jaron Jackson Jr. And they, they struggled, right? They struggled without him, and that's why they're in this scenario when they were kind of sitting pretty heading into the play-in or into the bubble, but going two and six, they end up in this very tough spot because it's just been a lot of jaw and not much else after that. But as we look... A lot of JV. I thought Valentunas has played pretty well. He has. He's been all right. He's had some moments. But you know that Anthony Davis would just be... Licking his chops, hoping for that matchup. And, you know, hey, maybe we're jinxing them by just assuming it's going to be the Blazers that end up against the Lakers. But this is the matchup that I want to see. This is the matchup that I would advise people who, you know, might like to sprinkle every little once in a while, a little wager. I don't know what the odds are. 
Are you going to get good odds on the Blazers for that game? I'm just saying that if you are someone that tends to do that, you have some disposable income, it might be worth a little sprinkle on the Blazers to beat the Lakers in this series. Now, would I bet a lot of money on that? No. Am I, in fact, picking the Blazers to win the series? No. But I'm just saying that I think the Blazers are going to give them a go. And the reason is it's been well documented. Obviously, we know what Dame's doing, but what you might not have been paying attention to is what has been happening to the Lakers whenever they play good guards. Chris Paul gave them the business. Kyle Lowry gave them the business. And a big thing we just talked about in terms of the other series, in terms of playing every other night, is that LeBron James is in year 17, okay? So asking LeBron James to come out and do what LeBron, what we've seen from LeBron James night in, night out, but now do it every other night for the next two months, that's a lot to ask for. So it comes down to Anthony Davis. They're going to go as far as Anthony Davis continues to put up the Shaq numbers that I alluded to earlier on in the pod. And I just don't know if he has that beast in him. I referenced that that KG thing the other day where KG says you either have it or you don't. You can't you can't you can't go buy heart. It's either in you or you don't. You can't go to the store and buy a six pack of beast. It don't work like that. Does Anthony Davis have it in him to go in night in, night out, and put in the mega work that LeBron James expects him to have and put in? night in and night out. That's going to be the interesting part because I know who does, and that's Dame Dalla. So it's Dame time. I can't wait to see this series. I hope the Blazers win so we get this series because you know there's going to be at least one game that Dame just drops 50 yeah, and they win. Nuclear. Yeah, he goes nuclear. I, I, I mean, I'm completely in lockstep with you with this. Uh, it, it's got to be so weird for LeBron James to see a matchup with the Blazers like this and to tell himself that for his team to have the best chance in the series, I have to be the second best player. I have to completely put my all my attention on A, defense, and B, feeding the big man. Because if he can do those two things and Davis can, like you say, Fine. Well, not fine. The guy's got heart. Yeah. Like, let's not. No, kill no, no, him no, like no. This. I'm just saying the night in, but night out. We're gonna, we're gonna find out for sure. But if if LeBron can feed the big man and play defense uh, against that guard set and, and show what kind of athlete he is, even in year 17, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that, like you say, they they might win two and might go six games, but the Lakers will win. Um, I just think that. That matchup for Davis is too good. Like I, Nurkic has been amazing. Like so good coming in off an of injury in this bubble. But again, Zach Collins isn't going to be stopping no. Anthony Davis, and Nurkic is going to be like trying to shoot bow and arrows at a big giant monster. No, it's just not going to happen. No love for your man's white side coming off the bench to use his five fouls. No. No, no love for my man. Yo, Whiteside the, and it's five there's going to be solid minutes of Whiteside versus JaVale McGee and or Dwight and Howard. Dwight Howard. <laughs> <laughs> That's what NBA Twitter needs right now. No, 
a solid run of minutes. Whiteside versus Dwight Howard in the playoffs. NBA basketball. It's fantastic. (laughs) I can't wait to see this matchup. I really hope we get it. Seeing LeBron and Melo still thriving, obviously at different levels. Obviously at way different levels. But, you know, seeing Melo contributing at certain points for the, the Blazers after being out of the league. Like, we forget now, Melo was on first take begging for a job. Right? Yeah. So, to a couple years later now, be on the Portland Trail Blazers and contributing and having big moments, that's cool to see. Him being, there's going to be matchups, I'm sure, where at times he's going to be matched up on LeBron. That's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, yeah, it's going to be a fun series. And I'm just saying, sprinkle a little. Overall, I'm going to say Lakers in six, but they don't really want this smoke with Dame Lillard. And if no, Dame gets hot, Dame gets cooking, Caruso is going to get a, he's going to get bodied. Kuzma, Kuzma is going to get bodied. Danny Green's going to get bodied. This is not going to be a fun <laughs> couple. This is not going to be a fun week for Danny Green on the internet. No, Because no, he's getting that first matchup, he's I'd assume, against Dame. A couple of times. It's not going to be good for Dave. I would think so. He's probably your best. He's probably your best perimeter defender on that team, right? Yeah. I mean, this will be fun. And please, please, please give us Blazers Lakers. I'm here for at least six of those games. So please give us that. The basketball world needs it, right? Let's 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 enjoy that for sure. But that pretty much concludes our wrap up or our preview of the NBA playoffs. Um, we went through a breakdown. We'll do the same thing after this series ends but we'll we'll check back in every week just see how the series are going talk about big time storylines of course because that's what we do here on the ball on blast podcast we talk to you about everything we'll let you know when somebody we'll let you know when somebody talks reckless on social media about going up to nothing in a series or something oh definitely it's just gonna be this is gonna be a lot of fun and the biggest key that we don't really know how to predict what will happen is how some of these guys are going to react to having to play big time minutes on every other night basis in the postseason. Like benches are going to be important. If you have depth and you can get something from your bench and get an extended run from like your seventh or eighth guy in a game, or if you can blow out a team and get some rest that way, those are the little things to pay attention to that could be a really big deal going forward for these playoffs. But again, send us your comments and questions, what your picks are for each and every playoff series, and we'll read them. We'll respond to them on social media. Tell us how wrong we are. Exactly. Wherever you get this podcast for sure. But if you know the Ball on Blast podcast, and you know we wrap up each and every week with something we call Ask on Blast, which is just something random, which doesn't necessarily have to do with basketball. It's probably more so a pop culture question. And I'm going to ask you this simple question. Have you seen the video for WAP? Well, Sheldon, uh, as you know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm about to become a father <laughs> uh, of a daughter okay. uh, in the next few days. Yep. Um, however, that being said, yes, I have seen the video for WAP. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've also seen all of the parodies out there. <laughs> I've seen uh, uh, Ben Shapiro, okay. uh, one of the worst people in the world, okay. uh, conservative 
a blogger and radio host, um, basically saying, uh, you know, oh, is this what feminism has given us? This whack song and video? And yeah, man, like that's it. <laughs> this is, this, yeah, yeah. Oh. This, ladies are allowed to say whatever they want. Yeah. And I think after watching that video, we can all say, I think we're all better for it. Here's, here's what I'll say that I, I still don't understand how the majority of the population doesn't understand this in 2020. If you don't <laughs> right? like something, you don't have to watch it. Nobody forces you or your kids to go find this video. You don't have to watch it. One step it. further. One step further. There's no MTV. Anymore. Exactly. It's not even on television. Right. So in this era where you choose exactly what you want to consume whenever you want to consume it, if you don't like it, you don't have to watch it. It's really that simple. But also, I want to really have an honest conversation with the dudes that are sitting here telling me about how bad this video is. I would just like to hear you honestly yeah. spew to me what you think is so yeah. bad about this video. Because then, as you mentioned, the flip side of it all is for years and years, decades and decades, as long as content has been a thing, men have been exploiting women in content forever. For whatever yeah. reasons that they want and, to do it. And now, and now we're going to get our collective panties in a bunch about women talking about their own bodies like this. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Listen, man, Meg, the stallion, Cardi. Hey, she's the best. Do what you do, man. She's the best too. Do what you do. Yeah. Listen, Meg, the stallion. Yo, she has bars up and down. She has bars, but she has bars, right? Hundred. She can spit and rap. Like you could say whatever you want about, and we're of a certain age. So we remember when like, Lil Kim first burst onto the scene yeah. and like the moment yeah. in time that was <laughs> right yeah. when Lil Kim came up. So we kind of see this also through a different lens in terms of seeing this happen before, but now seeing this come to a different level where like, you know, it's boss moves being made right now by Cardi B in terms of controlling her narrative, controlling her own company and business ventures in her career and all that. Like, I'm not going to be mad at well, anybody that's like, doing that. Do you? Well, she was like interviewing Bernie Sanders. Like she's like well in control of her narrative. That's a great way to yeah. put it. 2020, man. 2020. Mr. Andrew Webster, the next time I talk to you, I, there's going to be a different vibe I'll have a new member of my family. There's going to be a different vibe to you. I'll be a parent, man. It's crazy. So we'll have to get the baby MB jersey right away. I think that's <laughs> the number one. Absolutely incredible, my dude. Thank you for, for joining me again to do this. And, you know, we're a day late, but just know that you were always going to get your pod. Our playoff preview was coming. You know, we're all right. You knew we had to do we it. We did. A, if you follow the On Blast Network, you know, this was a doubleheader day on the On Blast Podcast Ooh. Network with the Wrap It Up pod and a ball on blast pod basketball fans we got you covered here so really appreciate you but if you want to hit mr andrew webster up where can they find you hit me up give me all those daddy congratulations on instagram and twitter it's the same at a webster 84 and you can find me on twitter at shell alexander on instagram at 
Sheldon Alexander. Of course, shout to the people for liking and subscribing to the podcast. Again, Ball on Blast is part of the On Blast Podcast Network, which you can find on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, YouTube. Like and subscribe. Also on the podcast channel for you, in case you don't know, we have the Wrap It Up podcast, which is your live and interactive Toronto Raptors post-game show. We'll be doing that for you as well as the playoffs go That's along. That's nice because it'll be over early. Oh, right? because I mean, oh. with those one thirty starts, I mean, you'll oh, have I thought you meant I thought like... you meant the podcast will end early because the Raptors oh. run's going to be short. I was going to say, Webby, you no, want Raptors no, fans no, 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 in your no. mentions like that? What, what's going on here? No, no, no. It's just the episodes will be out super early in the day yes. because that one thirty start. I mean, that'll be. <laughs> Get those fair enough my dude fair enough i really appreciate you tuning in with me and i appreciate everyone tuning in and listening and as i always say i used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this this is the ball on blast podcast as always unpolished and unapologetic until next time see ya this is ball on blast part of the on blast podcast network available on itunes spotify soundcloud and youtube If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla.